Welcome to On the Brink, a fresh lens to take you and your business to new heights. Hi, I'm, I'm Andy Simon, and as you know, I'm your guide, and I'm also your host today because my job is to help you get off the brink. I want you to see, feel, and think in new ways so that you can change. And if you come here and listen, you know that each time I bring you somebody new, it's because they've done something that really is transformative in some fashion. They're tackling a problem that my listeners, my audiences, my viewers are all tackling as well. And I'm so really honored today to have Richard Medcalf here from Paris. And it's a wonderful opportunity for us to share his new book, Making Time for Strategy, but also to share Richard. Let me give you a little bit of Richard's personality. He sends me an email and he wants to be on my podcast. Why? The first thing is because I'm a fan. He said, I thank you for the time and energy you invest in putting this out into the world. I have not had many of those emails. I have lots of emails from our listeners, but that was really a sweet opener. The second is that he's sure that my audience, our audience, will find value in the topic because many of our listeners will be running teams or businesses and hitting the ceiling of complexity as daily operational demands suck all their time, leaving no space for strategic thinking. Now, I'm a blue ocean strategist. I work with lots and lots of companies who are seeking to create markets, not simply compete in them, blue ocean thinking. And they often get so tied up in making the plan, they forget they have to do something with it. And conversely though, if they don't think about the plan, All their actions can take them nowhere. Very good point. We're going to focus on that. And he thinks I'm a good speaker, which we will see today because I think he's a good speaker. He describes himself as what you get if you were to put a McKinsey consultant, a slightly unorthodox pastor, and an entrepreneur into a blender. So you have an idea of what we're going to talk about today. He's the founder of X Quadrant and a trusted advisor to exceptional CEOs and entrepreneurs and their leadership teams. I think you're going to enjoy him because he has advised all kinds of folks, been in all large and small companies. I'm going to let you hear his story from his own perspective. It's much better than my reading it. Um, But he's binational. He's both English and French, lives near Paris, happily married and the proud father of two. He's also a licensed lay minister in the Anglican Church and has an insatiable love for spicy food and the electric guitar. Is that enough for us to think of this mashup today? Richard, thanks for joining me. I'm so happy to have you on today. Yeah, thank you, Andy. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, thank you for the great intro. Tell our listeners and our viewers, who is Richard Metcalf? Because your background is rich with experiences that have led you now into your own business. But I like what you discovered as you were wandering through very successfully, whether it was Cisco or elsewhere. And and who are you so that they can now understand why you're so focused on making time for strategy? Please. Mm. Yeah, well, thanks, Anthony. Well, obviously, strap yourself in if you've got a spare six hours, because talking about myself is my favourite topic. So here we go. <laughs> um, I'll try to keep it brief. I'll try to keep it brief. But um, so, yeah, so I grew up in the UK, um, um, studied at Oxford University, uh, went into strategy consulting, decided at that point to move over to Paris uh, for a year. 25 years later, I'm still here. I'm married to a Frenchwoman and have bilingual kids and, and everything else. So uh, life doesn't always take you uh, in ways that you expect. Um, when I was at, uh, been at, in my strategy consulting company, became the youngest ever partner. I've been there about 10 years. I decided it was time to become a, a smaller fish in a, in a bigger pond rather than a big fish in a small pond. And 
Cisco has, was knocking at my door and I thought that'd be interesting, you know, huge tech company. Joined them, did various roles. The last role was a, a small team set up by the CEO of Cisco and its chairman uh, in order to kind of catalyze strategic relationships uh, between Cisco and its key customers. Um, I like to describe it as fulfilling rash commitments made by the chief exec when he was talking to big customers. And that was all great. Um, and I, I enjoyed that. And it was quite prestigious in its own way and all the rest of it. But they got to a moment when I said, you know, Richard, what do you want as a legacy? What do you want to tell your great-grandchildren in the future when you're 90 and they're on your knee and they're asking you about your professional life and what you did in your job? And I realized that although I really enjoy and I still enjoy creating financial results for my clients, and, and I, you know, back in the day I was doing that a lot, I realized I didn't want to just talk about how I helped AT&T or whoever it was, you know, increase their EBITDA margin by 0.1%. Um, <laughs> so I started to think, well, what do I really want? What are the real stories that I want to tell, in, you know, of my life and of my professional life? And it's then when I started to really dive, dive in, you know, what makes me different? What's my biggest gift? What's my passion? All that kind of stuff. And I started to realize that I wanted to work at this intersection of leadership strategy and purpose, or put it another way, helping people, great leaders. I suppose the way I now describe it, or I didn't describe it the way at the time, was I want to help great leaders reinvent themselves to achieve breakthrough goals that change the world, right? So there's a few things in there. It's that personal transformation, and it's about making a positive impact in the world. So up to now, I've given you all the external facts that have led me to build this business. And my new business, you know, I, I work with amazing leaders, CEOs of billion-dollar companies, some of founders of scale-ups, tech unicorns. Um, uh, one of my clients is an Olympic medalist who's now building a billion-dollar business. Another of my clients uh, was nominated, nominated as Entrepreneur of the Year by Ernst & Young. These are amazing people, but they're, 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 they're already impressive, but they're looking to 10x their impact or more, right? Make, make a big difference. But... Let me take you back to my childhood. My sister was born mentally handicapped, very seriously mentally handicapped. She actually passed away just a couple of months ago. And she made a huge impact on me. Um, she was an amazing character, very determined, very joyful. But we had very different paths. Yes. You know, like she stayed at home. She did meeting 24-hour care, the whole care team. Um, she couldn't be left alone. Basically, she was so needy. But and it's, then I had it a high-flying career. Got a... Yes, but it sounds like it had a big impact on who you were. And yeah, I, I've realised that recently. Yeah, I've realised that recently. I mean, I had this high-flying career. I went to Oxford. I went into high-tier strategy consulting company. I went to Cisco. I started my business. I moved countries. All this stuff, and she didn't do any of that. Okay. And so, I have this real sense that when we have the gifts, the talents, the resources, the opportunities, we kind of owe it to the world to make it a better place and to make an impact. And yet I see so often we end up in our comfort zone, a bit scared, doing things because, you know, doing things because we're a bit worried about what we might lose if we were to dare to do something different. Even when we're playing a big game, we can be busy, but in our comfort zone. And um, so as you... the impact that we want. So impact is a huge word for me because of that. 
Well, impact, it's interesting. I read an article this morning about uh, purpose and and uh, don't worry about purpose unless you have impact. Um, Purpose-driven companies don't necessarily do anything. They just have a purpose and actually worked with one about a month ago. But your point about having impact is important for our listeners because you are coming to that epiphany, that aha moment where more of the same of what you're doing, even if it's financially lucrative, or even if it's for good companies, isn't personally purposeful. (laughs) And that becomes a real interesting driver for you of where you're going and why it's so important that you choose where you go and you do it in a very intentional fashion so that you have your own legacy and can answer to those kids and grandkids why you know, why I've done what I've done in this life, because it has made other lives better. So tell us, you know, from your company perspective, as well as from the book, you know, my my segue is, how are you doing that? How am I making that impact? Yes. Yeah, well, I think, um, so concretely, what I do, you know, as I work one-on-one with, 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 with high-end leaders, CEOs or founders, entrepreneurs, uh, sometimes C-suite and late leaders, work with their teams, have a couple of programs that I run with perhaps more junior leaders. Yes. Um, uh, and I'm always helping them think about um, where do I need to challenge my thinking? Where do I need to shift who I'm being yes. as a leader in order to achieve things which right now are outside my zone of reference? Um, and, you know, what is that? What's what's really important? I think it's the fundamental question. What's really important in terms of what I want to accomplish What's really important in terms of where I put my attention and my focus? What's really important in terms of where I build my skills? I think I describe myself as a, as being strategically lazy. I've always been a strategist all my life. You know, it's why I got my the top first at Oxford University, right? Because I just knew where to put the focus yeah. you know, what was important, what didn't, wasn't so important when I was studying. And, and I, I think it's a strategic laziness. You know, I just want to get a big result from by focusing my efforts on the key areas. Sure. And so I think I bring that to all these different parts of leadership, to you know, ambition, to goal setting, to habit formation, to, to have dealing with people. That's kind of, I guess, the, the fundamental part. But what I find is that in all those conversations, whenever I sat down with a new leader and we were looking at, well, how are you going to multiply your impact? How are you going to really do something exponential? How are you going to break through? The first conversation we would always have, Andy, was, yeah, I'd love to do all that, Richard, but Right now, to be honest, I'm just so overloaded. I've got so much on my plate. You know, where do I go? Where do I go from here? Yeah. And uh, how do I even make time for all this exciting stuff I know is possible for me? Because that really was the seed of, of the book that I've now written. But it's an interesting reflection on, you know, I'm an anthropologist and you're an observer. And and as you're talking, I'm thinking about you meeting with your clients and listening to their stories because we're story creators. And the story was a catalyst to change your own story in your mind. And I often preach that because telling stories isn't incidental. It doesn't stay outside of the other person. And as you're talking and sharing your story, our listeners' stories are also changing. But what's important is as you're coaching your, your clients and they're sharing this sense of pain, Success has now turned into, I no longer have a vision. I no longer can see where we're going. I'm not even quite sure how it's all aligned with a strategy. You had an epiphany, a moment which said, wow, there's something here beyond simply helping them personally transform it. 
that could be instrumental for them to get back to being the big, you know, leaders are supposed to be visionaries. They're not supposed to be so tactical. Mm. And they're not supposed to be worried about managing the tactical details. They're supposed to be leading people into some particular direction. So once you had this epiphany, then the book came out of it. It sounds like lots yeah, of so, so I, I guess the first thing I want to just clarify is for me, strategy is really a shorthand for strategic activity. So as a top leader, we might need literally to focus on corporate strategy. But no matter where we are in the organization, we always need to focus on what is the most strategic, what's going to move the needle, what's going to have the biggest leverage. And that's really, when I I talk about strategy, I mean that. So for some leaders, it literally is, I need to think about the vision and strategy for my company. Other leaders, it's, you know, I need to just step back and think about how am I going to maximize the impact for my business unit or my department or my team or myself. So, yes, I think the book came out not necessarily immediately, but I started to go, you know what, I've got stories here. I realized that a lot of people think what they need is a time management book, um, a productivity tip. Uh, they need to think about how to maxim- you know, filter their Gmails better or something. Um, what I realized was that you know, the breakthroughs my clients had were in the were in these deep conversations. They weren't just in the t- in the area of tactics, which can be important, but it's not everything. So with the book, I wanted to really bring, if you like, a transformation perspective to this question of how do I free myself up for this? So because I realized that was what my clients were dealing with. They knew the theory about, you know, working on the important things, even if they're not urgent and this kind of stuff. They knew all that. But what was really getting in their way? And I realized I, I, came, I had a few key areas I wanted to share. I, I, I tested it with those leaders. I tested it with uh, with a couple of group programs that I ran with multiple leaders from different companies in. And then I realized, yeah, there's a book in this. Good. The book oh, was actually quite easy to write because I got the experience. Pause for a second, Richard, because what you're saying is um, uh, while they didn't need a time management, the title of your book is Time for Strategy. Yeah. Um, and and so I just want to make sure that the reader understands that it isn't simply reorganizing your to-do list or your calendar for the day. Right. It's a different way of thinking about what is important. And and you're saying it also, it's not just for the senior leadership team, the C-suite. It should be on every person in that organization's thinking mm. about what is it that matters so I can also not do things that are off strategy and are maybe the way we've always done it, but don't need to be done anymore. Am I mm. hearing you correctly? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, the, the way I see it, we live in a world of infinity. Mm-hmm. There's infinite stuff available to us for the first time ever, right? We've got infinite messages in our inbox and our messaging platforms, infinite social media opportunities to converse and connect with people, infinite content to consume, to stream, to read, to whatever. It's just like the more we look at, the more recommendations we get of more to look. So it's never ending. And so there's so many opportunities for every leader. Uh, It's infinity. And so we can't beat infinity with productivity. (laughs) <laughs> Most people, they 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 hit the accelerator. They try to go faster and faster, and they find there's no more hours in the day. They've hit the um, the ceiling of complexity, as as it could be called. And where do we go from here? And what I've found is we need to we need to level up, right? We need to change gear. We can't change gear when our foot's on the accelerator. We have to start to invest our time rather than using it. Imagine you're a business and you're making like zero profit. Mm-hmm. 
you've got no you can't invest in the future you can't you know make things better probably you're gonna your costs are gonna go up over time and you're gonna go to business most leaders are running their life like that business they're using their time every day is going they've not got any margin available yeah to invest in the breakthrough activities to invest in the future and so they're just running along on a hamster wheel And now, a word from our sponsors, Simon Associates Management Consultants. That's us. And we're here to help you see, feel, and think in new ways. Whether you are an organization that's stuck or stalled, or an individual in that organization who's looking to rethink their own life's journey, Simon Associates has designed programs and processes to help you do just that. Our first book, On the Brink, A Fresh Lens to Take Your Business to New Heights, told the stories of seven clients who were stuck or stalled, and a little anthropology helped them see things through a fresh lens, reignite their growth, and soar again. My new book that came out in January 2021 is called Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business. It's all about how 11 women, including myself, were able to see past the hurdles, the glass ceilings, and the brick walls, and become the best that they could be. They heard things like women aren't lawyers and women can't lead and women aren't in geosciences. And they said, of course we are. And they really pushed through and did it with such ease that they want other women to see what's possible. At the end of the book, I provide a bit of a how-to process for you. If you're on the brink of rethinking your own life's journey, it's time to pause, step back and ask yourself, where am I going? What's my passion and my purpose? And am I there or can I get there? Send us your emails to info at andysimon.com and we'll get right back to you to see how we can help. On andysimon.com are some free chapters for both books. And you can also join our newsletter and our Facebook group, Rethink with Andy Simon. We are bringing together women to help other women do what they can't do by themselves, very often to see what's possible and become the best that they can be. Come join us. And now back to our podcast. So I'm curious, what did you advise in Time for Strategy to help them, that hamster wheel, get off that hamster wheel, reassess and now invest in time? Mm -hmm. And I love your comment, um, you can't touch infinity with productivity. And I have a hunch you have a bunch of things that I want to make sure that we have time to Mm -hmm. discuss with our listeners, because I think there's something of great value for them. And I think your discovery is very powerful. Please. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in the book, I, I look at, um, so I talk quite a bit to start with about what you want to put your time on. It's really important. So I like to say you can't free yourself up from things. You've got to free yourself up for something. Uh-huh. Okay. So yep. what, So if you've actually got a spare minute or spare hour, what do you want to put your time on? What's going to make a breakthrough? So I, I spend a bit of time talking about that and how many people get clear on that. But, but in terms of how should we actually get into that freeing ourselves up, there's four strategies to use, and they actually spell the word time, which I was very happy about when I noticed that. <laughs> um, so there's tactics. We do need a plan to to get back into profitability, if you like, on our time. We do need we do need a plan to go, get rid of things which are not serving us and to stay at that level. So there is a tactical issue. The issue is most people have over-rotated on tactics and they haven't thought about the other parts. But if we're actually finding our diary is too full, we need to deal tactically with it. Then I, I is for influence. Mm-hmm. As I like to say, if you want to go on a diet or take do some exercising, the, the people that are going to get in the way is your own family. Mm-hmm. So 
they're the people who's going to waft the chocolate cake under your nose because they're used to dealing with you in a certain way. And when you're trying to change who you are and what you focus on, it impacts them. So in a business situation, you can make your plan, your tactical plan for what you want to do and meetings you don't want to be in anymore and projects you don't want to do anymore. But you've got to sell that internally. You've got to tell your boss that I don't want to be in that. It's not helpful for me to be in that meeting anymore. Or we've got to tell your colleague, I don't want this stuff coming from your department into my department because it's not what we should be focusing on. You've got to sell to your team. You know, I need you to deal with things in a different way and stop involving me in the details. So influence is a really key part. That's what I call the leadership challenge, right? It's actually how we actually leading other people so that we can take that higher ground. Mm -hmm. Then there's mindset, M. Mindset is really important. It defines the boundaries of what is necessary, possible, desirable in our lives. If we don't, if we don't have a good mindset or a broad enough mindset where we believe that we haven't got any choices in this matter. So I can give you an example on that. One of my clients, I was helping him drive some transformational projects for a large company. He was on the C-suite of a several billion dollar company. And he was driving some internal transformation projects. I was helping him with that as he was onboarding into the C-suite. One day he comes to me and says, Richard, I need some tips. Um, I'm spending too much time in my email. So I joke and say, well, you're paying me too much money. If you want tips from me, go and Google those. But tell me more. So he explains, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I love, um, you know, I, don't, I don't want to be the guy who's, you know, untrustworthy and unreliable and not a team player who people are waiting on for to reply to them, that who are stuck on projects. So he's I, not I alone. I will tell you that. <laughs> he's not alone. And it's a common recurring. My clients say, I have to manage my email. I said, so manage it. <laughs> but what did you tell him? Well, yeah. So I said, so yeah, he was, so he was saying, yeah. So that's what's, that's why I felt he had to regularly go into his inbox and, and help people. So I was like, okay, I can't help you. What do you mean you can't help me? Well, whatever I tell you about spending more time on these important projects, you're not going to do because you, for you, it's you, you, you want to be a reliable, trustworthy team player. Mm-hmm. And if I tell you not to do that, you're not going to do it. It's against your values. And I totally understand. So, you know, huh? Okay, well, what do I do? Well, tell me about your CEO. What does he want you to do? Oh, these transformational projects are going to make a big difference. Okay. Where are your board? Oh, yeah, well, that, you know, makes a big impact on the bottom line. They really want these big projects to happen. Okay. What about your um, customers? Well, they don't really know, but if they were to know about it, they'd really want this internal transformation because it's going to free up the team to work on their projects. Okay. What about the team itself? Oh, yeah, well, they're desperate for a more modern work experience. Okay, so you're telling me that all these people want you to focus on these transformational projects. Yeah, that's right. Okay, <laughs> well, let me put it to you that that's what you're pay, being paid the big bucks for. And that when you're in your inbox doing the easy stuff, you're actually being unreliable, untrustworthy, and not a team player. Yeah. <laughs> it's when you're doing the big stuff that you're being the, the reliable, trustworthy team player that you're being so he really had to change his mindset didn't he so in that one conversation he got it it was the aha moment he didn't need any other tips from me because he had shifted his identity and the way he saw things and so for all of us we have places in our mind which are holding us back yeah and that's the mindset challenge and um, actually before let me pause you don't have to do these in order actually in the book and you can do it even before buying the book i have a i have an assessment Uh uh-huh 
that allows you to actually identify each of these areas. What's your score? What's your total score? What's your score in each category? And therefore, where's your weak spot? Where should you focus first? Because perhaps there's no point doing the tactics if your mindset is getting in the way. Or, you know, if actually you've got the plan, but you haven't got enough influence, then you need to start there. I'm sure you heard a little pause in our conversation. Um, Richard in Paris froze for a moment. So we're going to pick up the conversation here because we're down to the E. And the E is an important part of time. In case you haven't noticed, it ends it, but it also creates the setting for which everything else is taking place. Richard, please share with us, what does E stand for? So the final part of the TIVE acronym is E for environment. Um, Environment's important because I wanted this to be a book for leaders. And as a leader, we have a responsibility to make time for our own strategy, our own focus, but also we need to create an environment where our team can thrive, where our team can focus on what's important as well. And that's our whole organization. So many organizations, they get caught up in busy work, too many priorities, mindlessly, mindlessly doing what the boss said without thinking about why, all this stuff. And the question for the environment challenge is how do I scale this into my team? How do I actually create a culture where when I have something to delegate, my team are able to receive it because they've got time. Yeah. Or uh, if I've got a new project that I wanted to deliver because I've been thinking strategically, that we have capacity in the organization to take it on. And so for me, that's a really important part. It doesn't often get focused on, we're often focused on our own personal productivity. But in the book, I wanted to focus on, well, how do I go about changing the culture of my team and my organization on this topic as well? Do you have a client situation you can describe that might illustrate these four points and make them come alive a little bit? I can see them because I work with them. I hope my audience can as well. Anything you might share? Yeah. So often I find that the breakthrough is on an individual. uh, That's one of these points. Uh So you don't necessarily need them all, all at the same time to get your breakthrough. That's why I said in the book, you know, you, at the start of the book, you can um, you can take an assessment to find out which area you should focus on first. But I'll give you some examples. I've talked about mindset already. The fact that this one conversation helped yes. us. That was, that's that really brought it alive. Some yeah, so, yes. so, yeah, some, some other examples, for example, um, around, um, uh, well, let's say um, around influence, Right, which is you know it's quite a key one. You know, often you know, often one of the things around influence is around um, and not setting the boundaries with people. Right, so you know, so often what happens is um, we we take on we take on things from people, and we, and we haven't actually created an agreement with them. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, I, yeah, I've, I've had. Uh, several clients you know who've realized as we've talked about influence you know that actually they've not had a real conversation with their own team about what do i expect from you in our relationship yes um when should you bring a problem to me and how would you you know or something for me to you know where do you need my support and what? How do I, how do I want you to bring it to me? So many times, team members, sorry, team leaders, feel they're being Sherlock Holmes, trying to diagnose the problems that their team bring to them, because their team just says, "Hey, can we talk about X? I've got a problem with X." Yep. So in so in the book, for example, I explain one of the tactics which which works really well is a thing called SCARS. It's a five step acronym. Yep. And um, 
Um, and it's a way that we can we can bring it, uh, we, we can bring a subject to our manager in a way that the manager can then really deal with. So situation, one line, what are we talking about here? Context, what's the background I need to know? Yep. Uh, analysis, what have what have I actually you know what have I actually done to examine the different options available? Recommendation. What's the one or two options that you would want to put forward on the table at this point? That's a memorable. And then stakeholders is the last one, which is don't use me as your manager to to have to pull rank. Have you spoken to the other people who might be affected by this decision? Do they agree? So often team members come to us wanting us to make a decision so that they can then pull rank and say the boss said we're doing it this way. (laughs) So the stakeholders actually key part. So it scars. The S is quite important. Uh, to make sure that they're actually managing the stakeholder environment, not putting that back on us. The point is, when you've got those, when you've got those those points, your team starts to come to you with what I call fully formed requests. But they actually know, hey boss, I want to talk to you about you know the new, the unknown, the Austrian office that we want to open. That's a situation. Um, there are three options: A, B, C. These are the pros and cons. Right, that's the analysis. Um, you know, the recommendation is, you know, given all that, I think we should go for the city centre office because A, B, C. If if that's too expensive for our budget, I'd recommend we go for the one by the airport because of X, Y, Z. And we we explain that, and then stakeholders. Oh, by the way, I've talked to the country manager, and he's happy with any of those options. And we've we've, we've got something we can we can work with. I am fascinated by your insights into how to change people so that they can be more effective. Um, Thinking beyond the immediate tactical thing and how do I get this done and do it in a way which shifts their minds, their mindset, so they can see a bigger picture and a better way changing that culture. And culture, as an anthropologist, culture change is one of the most challenging things. Mm -hmm. But a person at a time is extremely effective. We're getting to the point where we need to wrap up as much as I would like to keep going. Um, But, you know, you have, as you said, you could talk all day. I have no doubt that you have great wisdom to share. Share with, um, I want two or three things you don't want our listeners to forget. And then we'll talk about where they can reach you and how they can get the book. Some sort of wrap up thoughts. Sure. So I think the first thing to realize is that the number one key performance indicator governing your future success as a leader is strategic time. Mm-hmm. I'm you're investing in the future to make the future better. It's the difference between leaders who plateau and stagnate and find it hard to progress and leaders where every year seems to bring new opportunities. It's that investing in the future that's so important. And many leaders, we said they're running on empty. They hardly have any time in the week to work on those game-changing projects. So this really matters. Second thing I want you to remember is that it's not just a productivity challenge. All these four areas, tactics, environment, mindset, and environment are really important. Work on the one that's most important for you. Go and take the test if you want on my website. It will help you. But find out which one is important and really focus on that. Deal with the limiting factor and everything else will become a lot easier. And thirdly, almost before that, get really clear on what that breakthrough project would be. Mm-hmm. If, you've got, if, if you've got three minutes, just spend, just put a timer on your phone and 
brainstorm, just write down questions. If I could answer some questions, if I had time to think and time to work, what would those powerful questions be that would be game changer for me? So you might write down, you know, how could I, how can I get the best out of so and so on my team? Um, how is artificial intelligence going to change my industry or, or <laughs> change my workflows in the next three years? Um, um, you know, how could I have be more influential with a CEO? Uh, what new networks do I need to become part of? In whatever it is, start to brainstorm interesting questions. When you do that, I guarantee after three or four minutes of writing ideas down, you'll suddenly go, oh, there is a new level available to me. Yeah. There is a new level of thinking I could be involved with if I wasn't so stuck in the day-to-day. Richard, I love our conversation. I have all kinds of thoughts, but where can they reach you and get your book? So um, so the book's available on Amazon. It's called Making Time for Strategy, How to Be Less Busy and More Successful. And if you can also go to makingtimeforstrategy.com find out details about the book there. If you're interested, um, I've put some resources specifically for listeners of, of the podcast at my company website, which is xquadrant, so x and then the word quadrant.com forward slash on the brink. And there you'll, you'll, there'll be a link to the assessment I mentioned, a link to the book, a few other resources as well. So right. possibly that could be the best place to start. Good, good. And we'll have it up certainly here and we'll be promoting it as well. I I want to make sure the listener understands a couple of things that I was struck by in Richard's uh, conversation. Remember that humans are really futurists. And if you haven't read Homo Prospectus, you should pick it up. It's a great book because what he's reminding you is that the only way you can live today is to see where we're going tomorrow. What's the future? And the future you don't really know. So you create a craft an illusion, a story about it. And now the interesting part for you as a CEO or member of C-suite or a manager in an organization is to help the organization see where it's going for its customers, its stakeholders, its board, whoever else you're you're really concerned about. But don't do it by just simply looking at that email list that comes in or the immediacy of something. You need to change. And humans hate change. That amygdala of yours will hijack the new, which is why I bring people like Richard here to talk to you because your brain hates him already. And you're going to love what it can teach you about time, how to invest in it, because infinity can only be really captured and used well with not productivity, but with reframing it. The changes are here. Uh, if you haven't read Bernard Mars' book on future skills, the skills for looking at data, AI, all types of things are really right in front of us. Please don't wait. Um, but I do think making time for strategy can help you prepare yourself emotionally as well as intelligently for intentional uh, transformation and the time. Somebody once said the future is all around us. It's just not widely distributed. And I, <laughs> I love that. I also know that the future is really here. It's today. And now we have to go push our way out. Richard, thank you for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much, Andy. Now, for all of our listeners, thank you for your ideas. Send, send your emails to info at andysimon.com. That's A-N-D-I, simon.com. And our website is a new website. It's simonassociates.net. It talks about all the stuff we have for you there to help you see, feel, and think in new ways. Um, my two books are both on Amazon, Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business, and On the Brink, A Fresh Lens to Take Your Business to New Heights. You can hear I'm all here to help you 
see, feel, and think in new ways. That's what I love to do. My third book comes out in September 2023. It's called Women Mean Business. You can't quite get it yet, but I promise to keep you as you subscribe to our podcast in the loop and let you know when it's available. It's going to be a cool book with 101 women telling you their wisdom so that you can soar. On that note, I'm going to say goodbye. Have a wonderful day. Richard, enjoy Paris. New York is wonderful. Say goodbye. Goodbye, my dear. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.